Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, good evening or good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you're watching from. I'm Costas Llanos or Costas with a K from Gate 7 International. Apologies that we did not host a live show after the victory over Panzeraikos, but we've all been uh, too busy uh, today. So unfortunately, the best I can do right now is a recording, but I do promise there will be a live show on Thursday after the game against Atromitos at Peristeri. So watch this space. Uh, Thursday, we're holding a live show again uh, as, as per normal. Busy day for Olympiacos. Uh, first off, the team found out their very first uh, opponent in, uh, in the Europa Conference League, first ever in the club's history, and it is none other than Ferenc Varos. Uh, the Hungarian champions. Um, what do I think? Um, not great, not horrible. That's what I think. Uh, I feel like a draw against Lovan Bratislava would have been smoother for Olympiakos because there's some good history there. Olympiakos have uh, knocked uh, Slovan Bratislava from the Europa League uh, qualifiers uh, in the past couple of years. So there's that. But on the other hand, Olympiacos did avoid some tougher uh, draws, such as Legia Warsaw, who beat Aston Villa, the favorites, the absolute favorites to win the Europa Conference League this season, is Villa, who are third in the Premier League right now. A lot of people in England are talking about the Unai Emery side uh, making a surprise Premier League title bid, some, somewhat like what Leicester did uh, in 2016. I personally doubt it, but don't shoot the messenger. Uh, there's also some old foes in Eintracht Frankfurt who gave Olympiacos a really hard time a couple of years ago in the Europa League, uh, shortly before they won the entire competition by beating West Ham in the final. Um, then again, though, they completely struggled against Pauk. And in my opinion, if Olympiacos couldn't eliminate Eintracht Frankfurt after what Pauk did to them, then... Shame on us. Um, and then there's also other teams like Ludogorets who eliminated Olympiacos from the Champions League qualifiers a couple of years ago. So anyway, uh, not great, not horrible with Ferenc Varos. This is the opponent. There's a bit of history there between the two teams dating back in the uh, UEFA Cup. I think it was the Cup Winners' Cup known back then. In 1996-1997, it was the first round. It was a two-legged affair, and Ferenc Varos beat Olympiacos 3-1 in Hungary before a 2-2 draw in Piraeus uh, back then. So not a great history for Olympiacos, but that was then and this is now. Uh, it's funny that uh, after the draw, the uh, Ferenc Varos uh, captain uh, and their goalkeeper, Denis Timbus, uh, Described those, or described those, described Olympiacos, basically strongly hinted that Olympiacos were the second worst draw Ferenc Faros could have after Ajax. Uh, that is in terms of history, tradition, and experience in European competitions. Um, so there is the respect there from Ferenc Varos, who won their fifth, uh, last season they won their fifth successive Hungarian title. They're on their way to their sixth um, successive title. Reminds you of someone right there. Uh, and when it comes to their European campaign right now, it has not been stellar. And I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that it has been worse than Olympiacos' campaign this season. Now you're going to tell me, Costas, don't you remember Freiburg scoring five, goal, five goals past us? Yes, I absolutely do remember this, but I also remember Olympiacos beating West Ham 2-1 at Kareskaki. West Ham, one of the most informed Premier League clubs 
right now and uh, among the absolute favorites to win the Europa League uh, this season. Uh, so let's take it from the top. Uh, the reason why I'm saying Ferenc Varos did struggle, uh, have seriously struggled the, this season in Europe is because, well, uh, they, uh, the summer started in a, on a terrible, terrible, absolutely terrible note for them as they were eliminated in the Champions League qualifiers by uh, a team called Klaxvik from the Faroe Islands. Yes, uh, this team from the Faroe Islands eliminated uh, Ferenc Varos, former Champions League winners in their own right, in the Champions League qualifiers earlier this season. Now, let's see how they did in the Conference League uh, in the group stage. They finished second in Group F behind winners Fiorentina. And their other two opponents are two other uh, familiar sides in Genk and Tsukaritsky. The two teams, Olympiacos, eliminated from the Europa League qualifying stage. Reminding you, Olympiacos beat Genk 1-0 at Kareskaki with Kostas Fortunis' winner, which became Olympiacos' fastest ever goal in their European history, uh, drew 1-1 in Belgium. And then two extremely comfortable victories against Tsukaritsky. Now, Ferenc Varos didn't lose a single game in the group stage, which is something Olympiacos need to take into account. But they also managed a mere two victories. And guess who those two victories are against? Giving you some more time to guess. It is none other than Tsukaritsky, uh, the same team that Olympiacos beat com comfortably across both legs. Uh, Ferenc Varos did not beat Genk like Olympiacos did. It was two draws, but they also got two draws against Fiorentina, uh, a very big and very respectable and absolutely very dominant Serie A side. Uh, so that's two victories, zero losses in their six matches. Uh, they did score nine goals, though, uh, but conce conceded six. Uh, Ferenc Varos only managed one clean sheet across all six games, and that was against Genk. Uh, a nil-nil draw. Do forgive me. I do not remember where that game was played. I'm going to go out on the limb and say it was played in Hungary. Might be wrong on that one. Uh, however, as you can see, this is nine goals in six matches. So Ferenc Varos can indeed hit the back of the net. Uh, very important to note considering Olympiacos's weak uh, defense uh, right now. Uh, when it comes to um, their most notable players, there are some uh, some recognizable names there. First of all, Dejan Stankovic, the manager, a Lazio and Inter Milan legend as a player. Uh, of course, when it comes to players, uh, there's Mohamed Besic, former Everton uh, player in his own right. There are some um, former, some familiar names in there, such as Anderson Esiti, who's by all means, did not set the world alight during his stint at Pauk. Uh, and there's also uh, Mohamed Abufani, who's doing pretty well there, um, who we met during uh, last season's catastrophic Champions League qualifiers against Maccabi Haifa. So he is uh, there. But uh, the big star of this team of, um, of Ferenc Varus, none other than Barnabas Varga, who has scored a staggering 17 goals in 21 appearances across all competitions, and he has seven assists. So we're talking 24. He, this man has contributed 24 goals in 21 appearances across all competitions for Ferenc Varos, 29 years old, uh, absolutely dangerous. Also Adama Traore with 11 goals and five assists. 
and Mohamed Abufani, we mentioned him before, with four goals and 13 assists. So there is a team of play. There is a team with players that can really, really harm an opponent, especially with a weak opponent right there. Uh, but from then on, at this point in Europe, I don't really feel like there is such a thing as an easy opponent. Even if Slovan Bratislava were the opponents, I would, I wouldn't think. Yeah, you know, it's extremely easy. It's in the pocket, especially considering of what we've seen from Olympiacos uh, this season. Uh, which takes me, gets me to the next point of this conversation, and that is none other than Olympiacos's 1-0 victory against Panzeraikos in Ceres today. Uh, I'm going to be honest, uh, what I saw there was not a team that I would think, oh yeah, you know, this team can eliminate Ferenc Varos. In a way, it makes sense because that was uh, Carlos Carvalhal's uh, second uh, match as manager of Olympiacos. The man has barely had three weeks uh, to work with Olympiacos, and I feel like right now what makes sense uh, for uh, Carvalhal is to just do what's just just focus on what works at Olympiacos and try and throw as many band aids as possible on all the things that do not work um, at Olympiacos. It was a nervy match, uh, a nervous uh, victory for Olympiacos against Pablo Garcia's side. Pablo Garcia, of course, a Pauk legend or legend um, who absolutely loathes Olympiacos. This was a 4-2-3-1 formation from Carlos Carvalhal with Alexandros Pascalakis between the sticks, Rodine at right back, Francisco Ortega on the other side, Andreas Doi and Julian Biancon at centre back with Panos Rezos um, uh, sidelined and suspended after his red card at Volos. Santiago is and Matica Mara in midfield, and then um, we had Costas Fortunis at number 10 with Yorgos Masuras on the right and Daniel Podens on the left. And of course, Ayub El Kabi leading the line. Of course, Costas Fortunis and Masuras kept switching, uh, kept switching positions. As, as we all know, uh, that is due to Costas Fortunis' immense and amazing partnership with Rodin, Rodine down the right, uh, which in my opinion, this is something that probably should be normalized uh, heading forward. A very nervy encounter. Olympiacos dominated possession and tempo, but could hardly create any chances, especially in the first half. Um, the tempo kind of changed uh, in the second half uh, following a series of changes from Carlos Carvalhal, which in my opinion, Carlos Carvalhal is doing a much better job in terms of substitutions than Diego Martinez did. Diego Martinez took too long and he also often got it wrong with his options. Uh, from the moment we had Youssef El Arabi coming on in the 61st minute uh, in Daniel Podence's uh, place, uh, Podence very, very disappointing, which raises questions for Olympiacos after his stunning performance against Batskatopola. Many people thought he was the man of the match after his two goals, almost scored a hat trick as well. I personally think it was Costas Fortunis with his three assists, basically four assists because one of the goals was a known goal. Uh, but Podence, again, went from being an inconsistent performer to being a star performer, now kind of looking inconsistent again. Uh, but El Arabi's um, addition led to the goal. Uh, Joros Masur is putting together a very good performance, earning a penalty that El Arabi converted from the spot with a very, very confident uh, finish. Uh, so basically... What I think to begin with was uh, 
it is so cool to see El Arabi still posing as a good option and as a an impactful player, especially when he comes from the bench. Um, considering everything he's done for Olympiacos, he still has gas left in the tank. Obviously, we will need his influence, his impact, his experience, and most of all, his goal scoring. This is his second goal in as many matches uh, for Olympiacos. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, my, my good friend and the fellow Gate 7 international co-host and um, journalist for La Nouvelle République, uh, Marcial Debo, had an interesting interaction with uh, one Mathieu Valbuena, Olympiacos legend Mathieu Valbuena, currently playing for Apollon Limassol, where Valbuena told Marcial that um, uh, if it was if Martinez was still at Olympiacos, El Arabi would still be playing for the B team and then went on to calling Martinez a clown. Uh, basically, what uh, what we saw from El Arabi today basically says that Stefan Jovetic is done, probably at Olympiacos. The fact that Londo Carvalhal uh, has El Arabi ahead of Jovetic in the pecking order when it comes to strikers speaks volumes. Uh, I'm at a time as well where uh, Nikola Coppolo said that Ola Solbaikin is on his way out as well. He has been dropped from Olympiacos' last two uh, I'm not too sure he was in the Europa League, uh, Europa League as well against Batskatopola, but let's say just two. Last two games in the Super League, uh, the man is on his way out back to Roma to end his loan stint. And Stefan Jovetic could be on his way out, I mean, based on what I'm seeing right now. And I don't think Jovetic is needed considering that he doesn't score for Olympiacos despite his heroics uh, with Montenegro. He doesn't score for Olympiacos, whereas Ayub El Kabi does score, the number one striker for Olympiacos and scorer. And El Arabi also scores for Olympiacos. So it looks like uh, if, if one claims uh, Jovetic's services are no longer required, that wouldn't be uh, something going overboard. So uh, not a great performance. Olympiacos got it by kicking and screaming. But at this point, with Carlos Carvalhal uh, facing such early days, What's important is the uh, victory, especially after Ayk and Panathinaikos dropped points against Panetolikos and Atromitos, respectively. Uh, Ayk drawing at Panetolikos, Panathinaikos losing at Atromitos. Pauk, though, destroy, uh, picking up a, an assured 4-1 victory in their own right, though, against Asteras Tripolis, if I remember correctly. And they were away as well, if I remember correctly. So, all in all, um, we have a big game with Atromitos on Thursday, uh, the same team that beat Panathinaikos, so that's going to be a very tricky one as well, very dangerous encounter. And again, um, I don't think anybody should... Uh, I, I personally don't really care about the performance as long as Olympiacos get the W before the Christmas break, so that then Carlos Carvalhal can just concentrate on his own little mini preseason with Olympiacos, very, very tiny preseason, if you insist on calling that. Uh, and obviously getting in some players, you guys, because Olympiacos do need to uh, tackle the uh, January transfer window and get players as soon as possible. Uh, I said here in one of the previous shows, actually my last appearance in the show, that Olympiacos desperately need a centre-back, despite Julian Biancon doing very well against uh, Panzerecos and Volos. Uh, Julian Biancon was... Arguably, Olympiacos is best player at Volos uh, in uh, their last outing, that controversial game. So it'll be very interesting to see. Um, obviously, Biancon should be in the European list for the second round. 
personally, I think Ivan Brinic should be as well. As, uh, considering that Solbakken is leaving, you might as well put uh, Brinic as an option for the wings. Definitely should be an option for the wings. Uh, so absolutely get a center back in, get Biancon in the European list. Would be interesting to see Biancon and Rechos as a, in a center back center back partnership, but we still haven't seen an assured uh, performance from them too. That goes down to Rechos's early red card against uh, Volos. There's also Jackson Poroso who has formed a strong partnership with Rechos, but still they do not inspire enough confidence. And I feel like that also goes down to the fact that Olympiacos don't have uh, a natural number six like Yanem Villa was. Uh, Santiago Eze is an amazing player, but I feel like he's more of a number eight. So I think it's extremely important to get in a number six. Uh, I personally would have loved if Mvila came back, but that ship has sailed, I'm afraid. Yadiesa Maseko would be amazing for another loan stint, but I would not hold my breath on that one. Absolutely, they'll get a number six. Uh, I feel like if a new center, if a really good center back and a really good number six came out of Olympiacos, two starters right there that inspired confidence at the back, that would also unlock a lot more in attack because I feel like that Olympiacos' attack would feel a lot more comfortable pushing forward and doing their thing without having to worry about, man, if we lose this ball, we cannot really uh, trust the back line. It kind of feels like they don't have a lot of trust in the back line because of all the countless mistakes that have been committed uh, throughout all the previous games, especially in Europe. I mean, the, the, I mean, by God, I mean, the, the goals and matches that... Uh, uh, that our back line has cost us uh, this season so far, especially in Europe. But I feel like a good number six and a good center back would ease that pressure from the front line, especially for a guy like Costas Fortunis, who never tracks back. I mean, he'd think to himself, I don't need to even think about that right now. No, because won't need Fortunis to track back because they already have a really good center, really good number six. Uh, Eze helps a lot, that could help a lot in that uh, regard. And there's also a really good center back that could definitely form a good partnership with Rezos. Absolutely. Um, for all the new subscribers, I keep saying that. Um, and if you haven't done so, please do like and subscribe. really helps uh, the channel and the algorithm to, to spread the word uh, across the globe where we are filled with Olympiacos fans. And also join us at Patreon at gate7intl.com slash Patreon. No, no, sorry, excuse me. It's patreon.com slash gate7intl. Excuse me, it's really late here. It's past midnight in Greece. The thing is, uh, for all of you who, who just joined, uh, Nikos Dabizas, former technical director of Panathinaikos and Omonia, once told me that the January transfer window is only there for tweaks. It's not there to build a team. It's only there for tweaks. But I am afraid Olympiacos might need a winger if Solbaken indeed does leave, and he's almost definitely going to leave. With Podence being inconsistent, um, Masura's not being a natural winger, Marius Brusai doesn't play, Van Brinitz isn't playing. So might as well go get a winger in there if Solbaken is leaving. It is such a shame that Olympiacos didn't push more for Kir Kirill Despodov. Uh, I do believe they could have beaten Pauk for Despodov. Surely playing for Olympiacos is much more attractive than playing for Pauk, despite a really good uh, season uh, this term under Razvan Lucescu, their manager. And Olympiacos might also need a striker because uh, Ayub El Kabi will be gone uh, from, uh, the, from January 13 up until February 11, the latest. 
because uh, we can expect him to get a call-up by Morocco for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations. Good news is that uh, I don't expect Madika Mara to be called up by the Guinea national team because he has fallen out with the manager. He wasn't called up in the last international break, so there's a good chance he won't be called up for uh, Copa Africa. But there's a very high chance El Kabi will be called up, which uh, raises questions as to who will lead the line in some uh, for some extremely crucial matches. Uh, let's go through those crucial matches where Olympiacos will not have El Kabi at their disposal. So those matches, just for a bit of background, Olympiacos are playing Atromitos on uh, Thursday, December 21, and are not back in action until January 3. A nice little break for Carvalhal to try at least and see and have a little mini preseason. But of course, it's a festive preseason. So there's Christmas, there's New Year's. The players will be going to their family. So very little time to work. But uh, even though Olympiacos will have El Kabi for the game against Aik at Karaiskaik on January 7 and the first leg in the Greek Cup against Panathinaikos at Leoforos on January 10, they will not have El Kabi for the second leg against Panathinaikos at Karaiskaiki. And they are probably not going to have uh, El Kabi for the, the league game against Panathinaikos at Leoforos again, and probably not even going to have him for the Pauk game in Salonika. Good news is he will be available for both uh, the Europa Conference League matches against Ferenc Varos in the last in the round of 32 or the playoffs. So who, who leads the line then? Is it Stefan Jovetic who has struggled to uh, emulate his past glory years with uh, Man City and Fiorentina? Will it be Youssef El Arabi, whose best years are behind and is now more suited as an impact player, as we saw at Batskatopola and against Batskatopola and Panseraikos? Will it be Al Gasimba? A very brilliant young talent doing really well at the B team. Surely, surely he deserves a chance. Or will it be my personal pick, Pepiel? We've said it so many times in this podcast. Pepiel was a talisman at Copenhagen, absolute talisman, and did really well at Olympiacos on his debut season, despite all the problems, the myriad of problems Olympiacos had. Pepiel did really well, a really good return in goals and assists. When it comes to Copenhagen, he did really well as either a number 10 or a false 9. So why not use Pepiel as a false 9? I truly believe he would do much better than even El Kabi, because El Kabi is the kind of, is the kind of striker where... He knows where to be at the right place and at the right time, but he needs to be fed those balls. He needs Costas Fortunis to uh, to throw that cross. He needs Podence to throw that uh, that low ball at him. He can, he's not the kind of player that can run with the ball, that can shoot from distance, that can break inside the uh, the opponent's box. Not, he's not like Cedric Bakambu last season, but you know who can do these things? Pepiel. We spoke about Costas Fortunis being more suited on the right wing, uh, where he works with Rodine. So why not why not put Fortunis on the right? Pepiel at number 10. El Kabi up front. When El Kabi is not around, Al Gasimba. Maybe Yusef El Arabi. Or, well, maybe a striker. So Olympiacos are looking at four, a maximum of four signings in January. The two must must have signings are number six and a center back. That is 
non-negotiable for Olympiacos, absolutely non-negotiable. And they need a really good center back and a really good number six, non-negotiable. And from then on, uh, I feel like they, they're definitely going to need a winger with Ola Solbaikin heading off. Daniel Potence looking inconsistent. And sorry to say, I'm starting to see why Gary O'Neill didn't rate him at Wolves. And probably a, a striker as well. Unless Pepiel just just does his homework and sees what uh, and sees what Biel has uh, did at Copenhagen and either use him as a number 10 or use him as a false nine. If he uses him as a false nine, no need for a striker. So Olympiacos might not need a striker with all the, the, the things we hear about Andre Silva. Remember, this is the January transfer window. No one, no club in their right mind sell their best players, especially on a bargain price mid-season. And Olympiacos, unfortunately, I mean, they're no Man City. They're not exactly uh, an attractive uh, destination. So there's so much uh, technical, a uh, sporting director, Pedro Alves, uh, can do in January. So, yes, guys, uh, this is all, uh, this is pretty much all from me. Costas uh, with a K, Costas Llanos. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please do like and subscribe. And, of course, sign up on Patreon, patreon.com slash gate7intl uh, for some fantastic content, exclusive interviews coming up. Uh, join our, our fun WhatsApp group where we're going to be giving you all the latest news. We're going to have some good banter. And we're also going to be telling you all the things we cannot say on camera. So, again, guys, apologies that we didn't um, we didn't have a live show. Uh, but I do promise there's going to be a live show on Thursday after the Atromitos uh, game. So, guys, thank you so much for joining me. My hair looks a mess. And I am going to see you on Thursday.